Heavenly Father, we just declare your praises in this place, God. We say that you are more than enough, and we just lean in, God, to your loving embrace, that you are willing to fight our battles, that you care, God, about every little detail in our lives, Lord, from the little mundane things all the way to the big things, God. You care about how it affects us. You care about what it does to us, Lord. And sometimes that kind of stuff can eat us up, Lord, but we just wanna surrender that to you. Help us to remember and remind us Oh, Father, that we can come to you with anything, Lord Jesus. You are bigger. You are bigger than the obstacles that we face, Lord Jesus. And you are worthy of our praises. Amen. Thank you, Father. As we continue in this time of worship, whatever posture you want to take, if you want to come forward, if you want to kneel at your seat, sit at your seat, open hands, lift it high, whatever it looks like for you, you are free to do it. We've got time in this place, and we also have freedom. Amen. There's freedom in the spirit this morning. God, we just invite you right now as we continue to sing your praises, Lord, to unite us, Lord. You are the reason that we're here, Lord Jesus. Help us to remember that, God. Whatever we've come in with this morning, God, we just lay it at your feet. You want our best and our mess, Lord. And so whatever we've got, if we're coming with our best this morning or if we're coming with our mess, we just offer it as a sacrifice, Lord Jesus. And we wanna, we wanna worship you with a grateful heart despite our circumstances, God. You are worthy of that this morning. You are worthy of that this morning, Father. So we just lay it at your feet. We lay it at your feet. King Jesus.
place Come and fill this place We wait for you 
thousand generations falling down in worship to sing the song of ages to the Lamb. And all who've gone before us and all who will believe will sing the song of ages to the Lamb. Your name is the highest, your name is the greatest, your name stands above them all. All thrones and dominions, all powers and positions, your name stands above them all. And the angels cry, Holy, you are lifted high. Holy, you are lifted high. Holy, holy forever. If you've been forgiven, and if you've been redeemed, sing the song forever to the Lamb. And if you walk in freedom, and if you bear His name, we'll sing the song forever to the Lamb. We'll sing the song forever and amen And the angels cry Holy, all creation cries Holy, you are lifted high Holy, holy
You may be seated. Amen, amen. We're going to continue in our time of worship, and I want to invite the ushers to come forward to receive the tithes and offerings today. And I just want to speak a blessing over that. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for, for what you've been doing in our midst, God. And we ask that you would just take every gift, Lord, from the smallest pennies to the biggest dollars. God, would you just have your way in this place and help us, God, to just submit to your authority and trust that what you're doing, God, is, is so beautiful and so great, greater than we can ever imagine. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, welcome to New Life. My name is Pastor Nick. For those of you who don't know me, I have the pleasure to just welcome you to church and uh, to talk a little bit about the, the, the reality of the situation, which is summer is kind of over, right? Unfortunately, can we get a bonus? I don't know. I, I can't read the room. Yay? They, yeah, okay, okay. So some of you have kids and you're like excited about that. Some of you don't. It doesn't really matter. Some of you get stuck behind buses on your way to work because the kids are out. So I'm like, oh, okay, the buses, great. Uh, happened to me a lot last week. So Lucia Mar has begun and we're super thankful for that. And with that, we kind of recognize there's more and more people kind of coming back to church, 
vacations are, are not being taken anymore. Some people may be later. But um, because of that, Pastor David's actually going to share a little bit about our fall handout. You received a new bulletin when you walked in today, and that one was folded. Usually we just got a front and a back. This one's got all kinds of sides on it. And within that bulletin, there are opportunities to serve and everything. But we're going to talk about that more later. If you are new here, our prayer is that you're not overwhelmed with that and that you don't think we're crazy and cuckoo bananas. Instead, we want you to kind of visit us at the Connection Central on the patio or any Connection Central um, here in the lobby or find a staff member with a little name tag on and say, hey, I'm new. Um, how can I get involved? Or I have questions about this, that, or the other. We have a gift for you, so we want to give that to you and just kind of hang out and get to know you. The other cool thing and the significance of today is that we're starting a new series. It's called Great Things, and we're looking for three weeks at the book of Joshua, and that gets us kick-started because after that, we're going 12 weeks on the Old Testament, and that's going to take us up to Advent or Christmas time. So hope you're ready for that. The calendar moves really quickly, and uh, we're just excited to see what the Lord's going to do in our midst. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to start this bumper. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for our time of worship, Lord. We recognize that you are holy and you are great, God. And um, we just want to be formed, Christ, in your image. Make us more like you. Help us to submit to your authority, God. And uh, God, we, we, just, we just submit, Lord, knowing that we are the clay, you are the potter, and that you are continuing to put pressure on us to form us into whatever beautiful creation you have in store for us to become. We cannot wait for whatever that is, Lord. Make it so, God. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's take a look at this video. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. Today you will know that the living God is among you. He did this so all the nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful and so you might fear the Lord your God forever. Well, good morning, family. How are you guys? Good. My name's Elena. If I haven't had the chance to meet you, there we go. Let there be light. Um, so, uh, yes, like Pastor Nick said, we are kicking off a three-week series um, on the book of Joshua, kind of just in the first four chapters. And as we were thinking about and praying about where we felt the Lord was leading this fall, um, the book of Joshua came up because, you know, as we think about, like, what God has been up to and what God's been doing, like God has been doing a mighty work. He's been doing some really great things here at New Life and in our community um, just over the last few months, even specifically. In fact, last, this past Sunday, a week ago, we baptized 58 people at the beach. 58 people. And that's, and you know, that's just the new life people. There were some other churches down there also baptizing. So God is on the move. The, I think the youngest person that was baptized was seven and the oldest was 84. So like God has just been, yeah, 
God has just been moving in our midst and it is just really exciting to be a part of it. And as I was thinking about what it feels like to sort of be a part of the great things God is doing, I thought I have a video that, that shows this and it's kind of embarrassing, but I feel like I'm gonna show it to you anyway. So this is what it feels like. Um, that was me, in case you didn't know. That was my son and my husband during uh, 2020 in the time which shall not be named. Um, we, got, we took up surfing and, um, well, by we, I mean my son, took up surfing. And so I like to go out there and just take pictures and videos. And that was me catching a wave completely on accident. But that is um, what it feels like a little bit to be a part of what God is doing. You know, it's kind of like chaos and jumble, but at the end you're like, whew. That was fun. You know, that was fun because it, it is fun to be a part of the great things that God is doing. And actually, one of the reasons why we picked the book of Joshua to sort of kick this off is because the book of Joshua is kind of God's people kind of at their best. You know, as, if you read, and you'll learn this fall as we go through the Old Testament, the Israelites really struggled to be the people of God. And um, the book of Joshua is kind of like the golden age for them. There was, there's full of stories of God working, God's miracles, mighty acts of God, and mighty acts of faithfulness, not just on God's part, but also on the part of God's people. And so as we think, thought about, you know, God has been doing these great things, but we truly believe that he's not done. Like he's got so many more great things in store for us as individuals, as a church, as a community. And so we wanted to lean in and glean some of the wisdom of, of Joshua and the, so that we could prepare ourselves for the great things that God has next for us. And so I'm not naive. I know that there's probably many of you in here that, like me, didn't really grow up going to Sunday school, so you might not be super familiar with specifically the Old Testament. So I wanted to sort of bring you up to speed to where the story picks up in Joshua. Um, I'm, I like to read books, and I like to immerse myself in the story. I love it when the author can set the scene and you sort of really feel like what they're going through, and I love a good character development, and nobody does a better character development than God in his good book. And so where we find the Israelites going back God's people, the Israelites, were enslaved in Egypt. And maybe you've seen the movie, you've seen Prince of Egypt. A lot of people are somewhat familiar with this story. Um, so they're enslaved in Egypt, but God says, you know, I'm gonna deliver my people from that. It's time for them to experience freedom. It's time for them to be my people. And so God used Moses to free them. And so there was tons of plagues that went through. There was lots of frogs involved for some reason. And lots of things that happened, mighty acts of God. God parts the Red Sea, they cross on dry land, and now they are God's people, and they are free. However, it doesn't quite work out as easily as they thought it might be, and so they have been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. 40 years of wandering through the wilderness, and God has sustained them through this. But, you know, I mean, I like to camp. I'm, I like to camp. We went camping for spring break. It was really fun. 
But I'm like a four days max kind of girl, you know? After that, like, I need a shower and some clothes that don't smell like smoke. So I can imagine that the Israelites, as they were wandering and basically camping in the desert for 40 years, I can imagine, I kind of sympathize with them, and I I understand why they started to complain. Um, But yeah, so 40 years. So that's like an entire generation of people that have come and gone. And most of the people at the time of Joshua that were here in this moment in time were either really young when they were in Egypt, so their taste of slavery has like distant memories, or a lot of them were born in the wilderness. And so the only ways that they know about the mighty acts that God has done is because the older generation has taught it to them and told them about what God has done. And you know, if there really is anything that the book of Joshua tells us, it's that each generation must realign itself with the heart of God. We can't rely on past generations' success and faithfulness to sustain us. We have to impart that to the next generation, and the next generation needs to realign itself too. Um, Because... At this point in time, they've been wandering for 40 years, but now they're like camped outside of the promised land, but Moses dies. So I don't know how you might feel, you know, if you put yourself in the shoes of the Israelites, you've been wandering for 40 years, I don't know, and then your leader dies. Like, would you feel like demoralized and discouraged, or would you be like desperately excited to see God move again? And so Moses is dead, and God turns to Joshua, and he says, Buckle up, buttercup, it's your turn. Let's go. So that's where we pick up the story, and that might be what God is saying to you today, you know, buckle up, buttercup, we got something in store for you. It's your turn, the time has come. So we're gonna pick up the story in Joshua chapter one. If you have your Bible, you can open it up to the book of Joshua. I'd say it's about maybe 10% of the way through the Bible, so pretty close to the beginning. Um, The verses are also in your New Life app. If you have the app, follow along on there. A lot of the main points are there too. So Joshua chapter one, verse one. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses, wherever you set your foot, you will be on the land I have given you, from the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Lord, your word is new and fresh every time that we open it. Would you give us eyes to hear, eyes to see and ears to hear what you have for us today, God, because we know that the words to Joshua weren't just for that time, but God, you are still speaking to us today. Would you remind us of your love for us? Would you remind us of the great things you have planned for us? Have your way. Speak through me, please, Lord. Um, In Jesus' name, amen. So here they are. This is literally, this is quite literally the moment that they have all been waiting for. Their entire life has led up to this. They're camped outside the promised land. They're not quite there. There's gonna be a few more obstacles. Moses is dead. Joshua was the one who, like they said, he's his assistant. So he was there. He got to see a lot of the things that God did through Moses. But now it's his turn. Now it's his turn. It's the moment that they've all been waiting for. And I think sometimes we... um, 
we always sometimes have that same kind of mindset, like what, what is your promised land? What have you made your life about, that end goal, that thing that you have been striving for? Um, what have you made your promised land? Because sometimes I think as humans, we can make our promised land um, into some pretty silly things. In fact, this week I came across an article. Um, did you know that in 1947, one out of every 18 baby girls born in the United States was named Linda? Are there any Lindas in the house today? Whoop, whoop, Lindas. All right. So Linda was the most popular name um, in that time period, and it shot up to popularity, but then it kind of crashed. There's not too many toddlers these days being named Linda. So there is a group of Lindas that have formed a coalition, and their whole mission in life is to make sure that the name Linda does not die out with the next generation. So this, they've, they've given their life to this very noble cause. And I mean, if your name is Linda, it is a beautiful name. My stepmom's name is Linda. It actually means beautiful. So it is a beautiful name, and I do hope it doesn't die out, but it's also maybe not the most worthy cause to give your entire life to. But we do that, right? Because the truth of the matter is, is that if you give your life, if you make your promised land about anything that is less than God's end game, which is his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven, you're going to be dissatisfied and you're going to be disappointed because it's not going to live up to what you expect it and imagine it to be. It's not going to fulfill you. So I don't know, maybe you have been working your whole life and retirement is that promised land. Or maybe graduation, you're like, when I graduate, that is when I will arrive. Or when I get married, or when I have kids, or when I start this business, or when this new thing happens, that, is, that will be it. But if your promised land is anything less, anything less than what God has, then you're gonna be disappointed. It's not gonna be enough. You're thinking too small. In fact, in, in the time of the Israelites, their promised land was quite literally a physical place of where God's people could be God's people, but that's not the case today. You know, if our whole end goal is just to like find some land in Peru and make like a Christian colony, that's, they were thinking too small. You know, God says, I've been there, I've done that with the Israelites, and we're moving on. It's time to go global. Um, that, it, that's what it's about. We have to make sure that our promised land is God-sized. It's the size of God, and it is exactly what he wants us to do. So what is our promised land? What is it that we should be striving for? What is it that we should be putting our entire lives towards, giving our lives towards? Well, it's actually, it's not that different from what the Israelites were, what the promised land meant to them. Um, obviously, it's not a physical place for us, but it's still the same concept. Number one, the promised land is a place of rest and freedom. It's a place of rest and freedom. Um, all throughout the Old Testament, the promised land gets referred to as a place of rest. In fact, just a couple verses later after what we read in, in verse 13, it says, Remember what Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you. The Lord your God is giving you a place of rest. But it's not just like a place of rest to like sit around and do nothing, although that sounds nice sometimes. But that's not, that's not the kind of rest that God's talking about here. And in fact, because we are people who follow Jesus... Our, our place of rest isn't a place at all, but it's a person, and that person is Jesus. In fact, in Matthew, one of my very favorite verses, um, it's uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, and I really love the way that the message translates it, so that's what I'm going to read it in today, and it says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you will recover your life. 
I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Learning to live freely and lightly. Isn't that what we want? Like not weighed down by all the pressures and the stress of the world, but living freely and lightly. Doesn't that sound great? And that is what God has promised us. And like I said, it's not just you know doing, sitting around doing nothing. It's not apathy type of rest, but it's an active rest. And it's a place where we can let go of the things that hold us back. And it's the place where we can um, experience freedom, the freedom that only Christ can give. Freedom that comes from being able to let go of all of our striving and trying to prove our worth and get as many likes as we can or, or feel like we have to you know, somehow conjure up our own self-confidence, but it's freedom from addiction. It's freedom from all those things that hold us back from all the things that God has for us. So our promised land is a place of rest and a place of freedom, and he takes that rest seriously. God takes rest seriously, and I'm so thankful for that. And second, the promised land is a place for God's people to be God's people. In fact, if I could summarize one thing that would say the, what the promised land is, it is God's people set apart for the sake of the world. God's people set apart for the sake of the world, not just so we can be our holy little huddle, but for the sake of the world. We are here for a purpose. In fact, God's vision for his people, that's us, that's us today, his people is to serve as a missional community that reflects and embodies his character in, to, and for the world. That is what the promised land is. And if, if our vision for our promised land is anything less than that, then we're gonna be disappointed and our promised land is too small. So that's what we want, right? We want to see the great things of God. We wanna be a part of the mighty acts that God's gonna do. We wanna enter the promised land. So what do we gotta do to get there, right? What's our role in this whole story of God? Well, I think we can take some of our cues from Joshua. And the first, our first role in this is to be strong and courageous. It's to be strong and courageous. And really, the only way to do that is by knowing and trusting God's character. We have to know and trust God's character because that's when we can learn to do that is when we have the freedom to be courageous, to be strong. In fact, a lot of times the world, you know, I grew up watching Disney movies and I was told I gotta follow my heart. You know, we gotta follow our heart. But, and it's really easy to follow your heart because I know my heart. I know what I want. I know what I wanna see happen. And it's a lot harder to know and follow and seek the heart of God and for, to follow that. That's a lot harder. But that, as the people of God, that is what we're called to do. And as Joshua tell, or as God tells Joshua four times in the first chapter of Joshua to be strong and courageous. I think he means business. He says it four times. But what does that mean? Because I don't know about you, but like I feel fear, you know? Like I have anxious thoughts. Like I have trouble sleeping sometimes and it's those anxious thoughts that sometimes keep me awake. So I don't think it's realistic and I don't think God is expecting us to never feel fear or anxiety, but I think it is a call to not be demoralized or paralyzed by it. Because even though those thoughts are gonna come and we're gonna feel the feelings of fear, we can't let that dictate our life. 
You know, we can't let that be what decides how we're gonna move forward or what we're gonna do or how we're gonna be or the person that we're gonna become because if that happens, we're gonna get held back and we're not gonna get to experience all that God has for us. It's a call to not be paralyzed by it. We can't let it dictate our life. And I know that sounds easier said than done, but I know I have to do it in my head a lot because I'll have this anxious thought and I'll be like, okay, well, if I follow that, if I follow that to its completion, that's not the direction that I want to go in my life. So I have to, I have to be a very purposeful decision to be like, I'm not going to listen to that voice. That's clearly not God's voice. And I have to just do the thing that God has called me to do despite the fear. And I think that is what God is telling Joshua in this too. I don't think he was expecting him to not be fearful at all, but to not let that determine the course of his life. In fact, as soon as we start to do that, we become people of great resolve. That is what it means to be strong and courageous. We're people of great resolve. When I was early on in my ministry and I was leading a small group of freshman girls and um, they, I used to always tell them, you guys are just like little butterflies. You just float with the wind wherever it goes because you know they'd come to church and they'd act like this and then I, they'd go to school and they'd act like that and they kind of just, wherever the wind took them is where they went. And so I'd be like, you guys are just like little butterflies. You have some stronger resolve, right? But then I moved here and I went to the Monarch Grove and I learned about the monarch butterflies and man, let me tell you, monarch butterflies are creatures of great resolve. That is actually what we should have our life be modeled after is these little butterflies because they do, they take their environmental cues, they know exactly what time, what time of year it's time to leave to go to their next destination. They know the exact air currents and thermals to follow and they make it to their very specific destination. And that is a great example for how we can be people of great resolve, knowing the way that God is moving, knowing the air currents, the way that his, his people are moving, the way that his spirit is moving and coming alongside that and going to our very specific destination and not letting fear deviate us from side to side, but being like the butterflies and making it exactly to our destination. So let's be like butterflies this week, people of great resolve, following where God is leading. So our first role is that we're gonna be strong and courageous, despite our fear, right? Second, we're gonna consecrate ourselves. That's the second part that is our role, is we need to consecrate ourselves. Now I know, this word consecrate is a really big, it's a churchy word, but stick with me, because it's on purpose. Um, when I was like in my late teens and like early 20s, somewhere around then, was like the time that I read through the book of Joshua for the first time on my own, and um, I just remember God speaking to me like so clearly. Like I, I read this verse and the, heard the stories of God and I was like, God, I want to be a part of that. And specifically uh, Joshua 3.5 kind of became this, like the, I felt like God was speaking these words to me in my early 20s and that early adulthood. And um, I read it originally in the NIV, so that's what I'm gonna read it in today because that's kind of what actually stuck out to me. It says, Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. And as early in my adulthood, I read that and I thought, God, I want that. I wanna be a part of the amazing things. I wanna see the amazing things that you're doing. I want you to use me if you feel like that's possible, you know? Like, I wanna be a part of that. So, like, what do I gotta do? Which... Then that word consecrate was in there and I was like, oh, that kind of feels like the key. I feel like I probably should figure out what that consecrate word means. And so that has been like a lifelong, you know, I've 
not that I've figured it out completely, but that has been like, a, I, if I wanna see the great things of God, I gotta take this consecration word seriously. And so there's kind of three things that I sort of felt like the Lord was teaching me in what it means to be consecrated. And the first one is to purify yourself. Purify yourself. In fact, that is how that word gets translated in the NLT. It says, purify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing wonders. And so this word purify, sometimes around church we use the word repent, which we don't always kind of like that word, but um, it truly, repentance is what leads to freedom. That's what leads to the promised land. It's not something that should have a negative connotation, but it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing when we get to say, God, where the direction that I was going, that is not where you want. I'm gonna turn around and I want you and I want everything that you have to give me. That's what we mean by repentance. Sometimes you say it's like a come to Jesus moment, you know? And so that's what it means to repent because honestly, in, we all have those habits that we've formed or the idols that we've put above God. And quite honestly, there's not any room for that in the promised land. Like you gotta let that stuff go because it's dragging you down. It's dragging us down and we want to live freely and lightly, right? It's dragging us down. In fact, I came across this, um, this quote this week. Pastor Dan shared it with me, and it's from Susanna Wesley, who's John Wesley's mom, but she was a powerhouse in the faith of a woman in her own right, and this is what she said. Whatever weakens your reason, impairs the tenderness of your conscience, obscures your sense of God, or takes off your relish of spiritual things, that thing is sin to you however innocent it may be in itself. Whatever dulls you to the things of God, whatever takes away your vigor for what God is doing, that is the things that we need to let go of because there's not room for it. You know, it's dragging you down, it's not serving you anymore, it's time to just let it go. It's time to let it go. So we're gonna purify ourselves, first step in consecration. Next, we're gonna be set apart. We're gonna be set apart. Now, when I think of the concept of what it means to be set apart, I think of China, uh, not the country, but like wedding China. Like, you know, if you got, if you're married or you get, you have a housewarming party and you get to register for things and you register for wedding China, and then what do you do? You set it aside for a special occasion. And then what happens? You just never use it, right? It just sits there and collects dust because it's just too fragile to eat pizza on, apparently. So... That's not the type of set apart that we want to be. In fact, when Jared and I got married and we got to go to Target and use the little gun to register for everything, um, we decided that we weren't going to register for China and we were going to register for things that we were actually going to use in a, on a daily basis in our marriage. So we registered for Nerf guns. So uh, Nick and Molly, wherever you're at, Nerf guns, add it to your registry. Um, because it is that we did. We registered for Nerf guns, and we got Nerf guns for our wedding, and we used them. Jared and I, would, I know you guys, I know you're surprised by this, because we are very serious people, Jared and I. I know you know that about us. We take ourselves very seriously. But no, we had Nerf fights, just the two of us, in our one-bedroom apartment, and it was awesome, and it was very fun, because that is what marriage is sometimes. Sometimes marriage gets to be fun, and it should be fun. So if you hear nothing else today, maybe stop by Walmart on your way home and get some Nerf guns, and, you know, just 
light up your kids, you know, or your neighbors. Maybe, maybe let them be involved. Don't just, don't, don't do that without their permission. So anyway, <laughs> we are not supposed to be set apart like China, right? Like the fine things that are too fragile to actually be used. No, we want to be used by God. That's not what God means when, we're so, try, when he says we're going to be set apart. Um, on my desk in my office, I have a little post-it note, and it has just a little portion of Mark uh, 10, 43, and it says, but among you, it will be different. And this is um, Jesus talking, and the context is his disciples are kind of sitting around, and they're arguing over, like, who's the best, and who's going to sit at your right hand, and I'm awesome, right, Jesus? Tell me I'm the best. I'm way better than him, right? So they're, like, all arguing and bickering about who's the best. And Jesus is like, stop, 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 stop. That's what the world does. The world is obsessed with power and the world is obsessed with money and the world is obsessed with control. But among you, it will be different. It will be different among you. In fact, this um, account of Jesus saying this is in most of the gospels. And um, in Luke, when it gets translated into the NIV, it says, but you're not like that. But you're not like that. And I think that it's important for us as we try, strive to be the people of God who are set apart for God's glory, who are different, maybe not weird, but different um, than what the world is. I think that we should be intentional about listening to that voice, that the voice of the Holy Spirit in our head. You know, if we're in a group of people and um, everybody starts kind of talking bad about somebody else and you're tempted to like, oh yeah, I got something to say about that. You know, but there's that voice that says, uh-uh, that's not who you are. But among you, it will be different. But among you, it will be different. Or maybe, you know, on social media, sometimes that's a hard place to do that. Sometimes on social media, the, up, they up the ante and it gets kind of ugly and they have to, that voice in your head that says, uh-uh, among you, it will be different. That is not who you are. Maybe at this political season when politics starts to get real ugly and you're like, mm-mm, but among us, it will be different. Among us, it will be different. And that is who we are as the people of God, is called to be different. Because, you know, at the end of the day, like, the world is going to world. The world's going to world. But among us, it will be different. Among us as individuals, among us at New Life, among us as believers and of the people of God, we will be different. So listen to that still voice when it comes in and you're tempted to just act and look exactly like the world. Like, it's okay. It's okay. Be different. Be different. But you know, there's a warning that comes along with this set-apartness. Because as Pastor David taught a couple weeks ago on the Pharisee, the parable of the Pharisee, that word Pharisee means set-apart one, right? So there is this temptation as believers to be, to be like that China, to be so set-apart that God won't use you, that God can't, or not that he can't, but you know, to be so set-apart that you look down upon others, or that you feel like you're better than somebody else, or that there's no room for other people. In fact, when I was in that same age, when I was leading those, that group of those little butterflies, um, I was at a small group training, and the pastor who was kind of training us in what it means to be, what his vision for small groups was, he shared, like, most of the time when you think of, like, a small group, you think of, like, people holding hands in a circle, 
you know, kumbaya, and you're like supporting each other, and that's good, and that's great. That's what we want small groups to be. That's what the kingdom of God should look like, is us supporting each other and being set apart. But he was like, but the problem with that is that we're so focused inward. And so he's like, for our small groups, we want our, we're still a group of people set apart, holding hands, supporting each other, but we're faced outwards. You know, we're holding hands like this, and we're looking out and seeing like, who else can be included in what God is doing? Who else needs to be included in the kingdom of God? Who else can I invite? So we're set apart, but we have our eyes focused outward. Like it said in the promised land, we're God's people set apart for the sake of the world. For the sake of the world. That is the whole reason why we are set apart is for that. So keeping our eyes focused outward. So we're gonna purify ourselves. We're gonna be set apart. And lastly, we're gonna be wholly devoted. Wholly Devoted. This one was the one that was like the most convicting to me this week because, you know, sometimes uh, as somebody who, you know, both my husband and I, we both are on staff here. We practically live at this place. So sometimes it's easy to feel like, yeah, of course I'm wholly devoted. I'm here, you know, every day. Like this is my life, right? But sometimes it's easy to just rest on that and not actually like be wholly devoted in the spiritual practices of life and be like allowing God into every moment, not just because I work here, you know? That, so that was, that was convicting for me this week because sometimes we think of Joshua, we think of these big moments and these big mighty acts of God, but really what set, what set Joshua apart from so many of the other leaders, as, you, as we read through the Old Testament this, year, this, this fall, you'll see that the Israelites really struggle and a lot of the leaders really struggle. Um, but the thing that set Joshua apart wasn't necessarily these big mighty acts, but it was his, his obedience and his faithfulness. He truly believed and trusted God that God was gonna do what God said he was gonna do, and so he followed. As David says a lot up here is, is like, it is long obedience in the same direction. That's what it means to be wholly devoted. It's, it's usually it's in the small things. You know, it's in the small things of life that we show our, our devotion. And in Joshua, we get a glimpse. God says to Joshua, he gives him instructions about what it means to be wholly devoted. And it's in Joshua 1, 7 through 8. And it says, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, from the left or the right. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. See, it is those spiritual practices. It is meditating on God's word. It's studying God's word. It's those daily things that we do that wholly devote us. That is, um, that's, what, that's what sustains us. But maybe you're here today and you're like, okay, I pray every day, I read my Bible, I'm good on my spiritual practices. The question for you too, like what if sometimes what has sustained you thus far is not enough to, for where God is leading you next? Is God calling you into a deeper devotion because he has something greater for you? That's a question maybe you could wrestle with yourself this week. Is God calling me to a greater and a deeper devotion because he's got something amazing in store for me next? 
And see, the key to fulfilling our role in this whole great acts of God is not necessarily by our own strength, it's not by our own behavior modification, but the key is God's presence. It is God's presence in our life. In fact, we just read it in Joshua 1.9. This is my command, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God is with us wherever we go. And I know sometimes you can say that and think it, but like truly, like God has gone before you. He's paved the way for you. So that gives you the freedom to be able to step into some risk, to be strong and courageous, to maybe step out in faith in some area, because it is God's presence that gives us that confidence to be strong and courageous. And in Exodus uh, 33, 16, this is Moses talking. It says, your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all the other people on the earth. You know, as much as we wanna try to like be more loving or be something else, pull ourselves up and try harder, like truly it is God's presence that's gonna separate us. It's God's presence that is that voice that says among you it will be different. You know, it's God's presence that does separate us. So that's our role, right? What is God's role in the great things? Well, that's pretty easy. God's role is the great things. We are not the one that, ones that conjure up or the ones that do the great things. It is he who does it. And in that uh, Joshua 3, 5 verse that says, tomorrow he'll do amazing things among you, that word um, amazing things is the Hebrew, the root word of it is palah. And you know, as I was thinking about it and praying about this study, is like, okay, I wanna see God's great things, but like, when you say you're gonna do great things, what does that mean? Like, what are some examples of that? So I went through and looked at and saw where other areas that God used the word palah in, in, the, in the Old Testament, and I came across one of my very favorite stories, um, one of my favorite interactions between God and humans, and the context is Abraham, who is where this whole thing started with God's people. Um, Abraham and Sarah, God has told them and promised them that he's gonna make a mighty nation out of them, but they have yet to have children and they're getting pretty old. And so they're starting to question God's promise. And so they get visited by, basically by the Lord and he, this is what he says to them. Then one of them said, I will return to you about this time next year and your wife, Sarah, will have a son. Sarah was listening to this conversation from the tent. Abraham and Sarah were both very old by this time, and Sarah was long past the age of having children. So she laughed silently to herself and said, how could a worn out woman like me enjoy such pleasure, especially when my master, my husband, is so old? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? Is anything too hard for the Lord? And that's where that word palah comes in. It gets translated as anything too hard. Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return about this time next year and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she denied it saying, I didn't laugh. But the Lord said, no, you did laugh. (laughs) And I just love that interaction because it is something I feel like I would do. Like, no, I promise, I totally didn't laugh, God. And he's like, uh, no, you laughed. And um, it's like we could even hide that from him. But I just love this interaction because Sarah says, how could a worn out woman like me, you know? How could, you know, that sometimes that's how we, how we talk to God sometimes. How could a washed up, how could a 
big sinner? How could somebody who's messed up so bad as me, how could somebody too old or too young or too short or too tall or, you know, insert whatever your insecurity is, like how could God do something like that? And anytime we use that word, first of all, God says, watch me. And second of all, that is an example of a great act of God, of a mighty act of God, of the great things he has in store for us. Because, see, this is kind of like the big idea that I hope that you guys take away from this, this, this week, is that God's ability to do the great things is not contingent on our ability to consecrate ourselves or to be courageous. It's God's going to do what God's going to do. However, the level that we are able to experience and participate in the great things is dependent on our role. It is dependent on our level of commitment. And we don't wanna miss out. We, don't want, we wanna be able to participate and experience the great things that God has done. In fact, there's a, there's a warning a couple chapters later um, in the book of Joshua in, in chapter seven, there's a man named Achan, and he um, disobeys God. God had very specific instructions about when they entered the promised land and how they were supposed to treat people that they conquered and things they weren't supposed to take, and Achan disobeyed, and he took the things of God. And then the next time that they went into battle, the Israelites were looking at what was before them, and they were like, oh, this is gonna be so easy. This is like the easiest battle we've ever had had, God, we got this, no worries. And guess what? They lost. They lost the battle badly. And it was because God told them, it's because you disobeyed that you can't participate in the victories that I have for you. Like you gotta, you gotta re-purify yourself. It's not just a one-time thing, but you gotta continually consecrate yourself if you wanna participate and experience the great things that God has, because God has great things. You know, it's similar to like that video, that embarrassing video I showed you earlier. Um, I did not mean to take that wave. That was accidental. But I was in the right position at the right time, and I had the right tool in my awesome boogie board. And so the ocean did the rest. And that is what it is. When we fulfill our role, we get to position ourselves in order to experience and participate the great things that God has. And that is my question today to you, do you believe that God has great things in store? Do you believe that God has great things in store for your life? Do you believe that God has great things in store for our church, for our world? Because I know sometimes it can get clouded and our vision for what God can do gets clouded by our circumstances. I don't know, maybe you've gone through a, a season of, of trial or a, a big transition or you've lost somebody you love and you feel like, man, all the great things that God has done, that's in the past. God's moved on. Like God's moved on from me and I'm just washed up and it's time and I'm, he's done. How could, I've messed up so much. Like how could God have anything more for me? All the good things are in the past. But that's just not true because you got breath in your lungs and God is not done with you. And there are great things in store for your life. There, God has great things. The good, great, there are many great things in the past, but he's not done and he's not done and he's gonna do great things in your future as well. And do you believe it? Yes. Do you believe it? Yes. Um, I wanted to share a little bit of a personal story. This past week, you know, we, we baptized 58 people and among them was my son and um, my husband and I got to baptize my son and not just my son, I hope we have a picture of it, but not just my son is in the middle, but also my dad and my mom. That's my dad and that's my mom. And here's the craziest thing, is that my mom and my dad are not married to each other. They haven't been married since I was in junior high. 
And also, I'd just like to point out, look at Jared's cute little weepy face. It's so cute. Such a great moment. Um, but yeah, my parents haven't been married since I was in junior high. In the last few years, they've become good friends. And um, as Kingston was getting baptized, it was really important to him for his family to be here and to be able to see it because they live down south. And so we, um, they were coming up to watch Kingston get baptized. And, but the Holy Spirit had been working in their life um, and each individually in them. And they had, God had been kind of pushing them like, hey, maybe you should get baptized, but they didn't want to like steal Kingston's thunder, you know? But then Kingston like said like, no, that's great. So I just sent a text and was like, hey, do you guys want to get baptized? And they were like, yes. And so, man, it is just like such a privilege to like, and so humbling. If you had asked me, because like my parents' separation was actually the the catalyst that um, my mom started going to church and she forced me to go. And so that was kind of the catalyst. And I remember I, I got really plugged in really quickly. And for most of my growing up, I was kind of the only one in my family that really took God seriously or went to church on a regular basis. And so I spent a good portion of my life praying for my parents. And, um, I spent a good portion pr- praying for them. It was definitely like the, the prayer of my heart. And if you had asked me, my junior high self, when I was so, you know, going through that trial, like 25, 30 years later, could you imagine that you get to be the one to baptize both of your parents? Like, I would have been like Sarah. I would have laughed right in God's face because that was just not any, anywhere in the realm of possibilities for me. But man, it is truly just so humbling to be able to just like be able to be there in that special moment that God was working in their life. Because obviously it was God doing it. It wasn't me, but I was just so thankful to be able to participate in that. So please don't give up. Like be persistent in prayers for people, for yourself. Like be ready to see what God's going to do because he's not done and he's going to do some amazing great things. And so as I was praying about and felt like the Lord wanted how he wanted to sort of end this service, I didn't want to just like leave because I felt like, you know, there's some work that needs to be done. So I have some questions that are gonna be on the screen and Nick and Molly are gonna sing a song. And so I just would love for you just to um, take some mo- a few moments just to ask God. It's not just for the sake of introspection or looking at yourself, but allow the Holy Spirit to just speak through you, um, to speak to you. And would you have just ears to hear because I think he's got something for you next and he might wanna reveal it to you right now. So Holy Spirit, have your way right now, amen.
just with our words and not just with our songs but with our entire lives that we would consecrate ourselves before you that we would surrender ourselves before you that we would give you our lips that you might speak with them that we would give you our minds that you might think with them that we would give you our hands that you might put them to work that we would give you our feet that you might take us and order our steps God that that God we would fully consecrate ourselves before you, God, as an act of worship so that we might get to be a part of the greater things you are doing in this world. So, Lord, hear our cry. Hear our cry of worship. Hear our cry of surrender. May we deepen our relationship with you. May we walk in your ways and be a part of what you are doing and seeing your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we ask all these things in Jesus' mighty and powerful name and all God's people said, amen. Hey, a couple of things before you go. Uh, first of all, um, we are a church family, and sometimes we get to celebrate family-like things. And so um, in just a little over a month and a half, Nick and Molly are going to be getting married. Um, so it's pretty awesome. So pretty great. We get to be a part. We get to be a part of just blessing them through a wedding shower. And so you may have already seen this. It's out on the, the counters on the Connection Centrals, but there's a little bit, there's a little car there that just says Nick and Molly. Next Saturday from 1 to 4, just a great opportunity to bless them, to love on them. It's a kind of a drop-in uh, wedding shower. So feel free to come and just encourage them and bless them and be a part of that. Also, um, when you came in today, you received this Fully Alive Great Things Fall 20 
2023. It's really important because here at New Life, um, we love when people come to faith in Jesus and we love when people are baptized, but that is not the end of your relationship with God. That is the beginning. And so we are very, we believe that discipleship is really important. And so we want to encourage you um, that part of the way that you consecrate yourself is you discover ways to be discipled in the ways of Jesus, to be shaped by Jesus. So this coming fall, we encourage you to pick up one of these um, uh, bulletins as you leave, to sign up and to be a part of a way of being discipled this coming fall. And if you were one of those 58 people who were baptized, tomorrow evening, um, Monday at 6.30 in the Life Center, we have an opportunity for you um, to kind of go through these various opportunities to be discipled. We want to encourage you, we want to walk with you in that. So we encourage you to come and we would love to share with you more about the women's Bible studies, the men's Bible studies, the ways to get plugged in for young adults and students and kids and all different ways that you can be discipled here. And if you weren't baptized and you're like, hey, I just want to, you know, I need someone to help walk me in it, join us on Monday as well. You are more than welcome to come, 630 Life Center, and we will help connect you with a way to be discipled this fall. As you go today, may you consecrate yourselves. May you set yourselves apart. Don't laugh, but be, a, be, but be ready to be a part of the great things that God has in store. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen and amen. Grace and peace to you. We'll see you next week.